Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. Leeds Dave is off this week, and it's probably just as well because he would probably find the three of us unbearable after that performance because we're all very, very smug and we're all insufferably happy and in good spirits. And we're daring to talk about how far this Ange Postacoglu team can go. We are recording mere minutes after the end of the game, more or less. It is Saturday. It is 3 p.m ish and we've just witnessed the 2-0 victory taking us to seven points from a possible nine and an absolutely outstanding start for Ange and more importantly perhaps a really really encouraging performance as well and we are in a pretty streamlined team today joining me are the Piliotis cousins Elio and Socrates who are both doing their very best to mask some big grins on their face as we speak Elio Welcome back. First of all, it is your birthday weekend. I just learned that it's actually Ange Postacoglu's birthday as well as yours tomorrow. Did you know that? Oh, I did not know that. I yeah. have the same birthday as my manager. <laughs> you do. You do, which oh, is brilliant. Uh, it is and hopefully what a, a very what good a present. I, what a present indeed. Hopefully that's a very, very good omen. <sighs> yeah. I mean, couldn't be happier right now, really. Like, just, I know, I know. like you say, I'm struggling to disguise the grin on my face. It feels so good to identify with what I'm watching again. It's amazing. The chance at the end of the game from our way end where we've got our Tottenham back and it absolutely does feel like we've got our Tottenham back, doesn't it? Let's try and enjoy it while it lasts because we all know that these things tend to not last forever, but we'll do our best. Um, but while I've got you, Elio, congratulations on another excellent subbing in for me in the hosting chair last week. You did a really good job. Really enjoyed listening to that episode. And if anything, I think you were maybe slightly outshined by our young prodigy who stood in for the week. And I don't know if you're listening, Harry. I don't know if you've done your bit and you've moved on to bigger and better things. I don't know if you're preparing to get on Sky Sports next or whatever, but if you are still here and you're listening, absolutely top job last week. You did really, really well. I was very impressed. And uh, as I said on Twitter, to quote another great Harry, this lad is going right to the very top. So watch out for him. We'll see what he's well, got. Um, as we know, I have up. an eye for talent. So uh, maybe it's do, not just yeah. on the football pitch. <laughs> Let's hope he's more of a Harry Kane than a Jack Clark, but we'll see how that plays out. But uh, well done, Harry. And of course, Socks, well done to you as well. You know, no surprise where you're pulling out great performances every week. You're like Basuma or Madison. It's just the standard now. You know, you've set that bar for yourself. Another great week. And um, I particularly loved your uh, changing of your WhatsApp group to uh with your your latin name right. what was it despair and, and and pain or something to destroy to depression yeah, yeah for so many years yeah so is this the official turning point for you are you now officially no longer this kind of cursed cynic do you now believe are you at a point now where you're actually enjoying being a spurs fan for the first time in years the second bit yeah the first bit after well, i've been supporting spurs properly for about 20 years that's not going to be undone you don't undo trauma in about five minutes or three games in this <laughs> instance so it's going to take a lot longer than three matches to to sort of cure me of spursy if you want but in terms of enjoying football yeah i mean yeah. i think i speak on behalf of the whole fan base where you said it right before um the chance at the away end were we've got our tottenham back or whatever and yeah uh, it's a, yeah I find that channel a little bit cringe sometimes, but uh, I mean, it, it's absolutely spot on. We're just, uh, we're all enjoying watching us play. I'm really looking forward to Tuesday. That's that's my one overriding. Like, I can't wait to yeah. watch us play again. And then I can't wait to watch us play again on the weekend after. And it's been so long since we've been able to say that. So yeah, that's exactly it. it. That's exactly it. It's, it's a bit cringe because you can't help feeling that some of these people chanting it or have only been supporting us for about a year. They're probably like 12 yeah. years old and they're chanting, we've got our Tottenham back. Like they were there. But anyway, um, not going to tell people how to support our club. We're all on the same page. and I think we're all very happy. I think there's a lot that can be said about that game that could also probably apply to the Man United game, but they obviously had their key differences. And obviously I was away for that one, but it's probably worth touching on my experience of watching the Spurs-Man United game. Because as you mentioned last week, Elio, I was in Leeds on a uh, kind of plus Dave pilgrimage to see where it all began for Dave. And um, Dave was very kind in suggesting a sports bar for me to go and watch it in. And it was really interesting because I, I knew that there was going to be a lot of support for Spurs by virtue of us playing Man United. And I know that Man United are far from popular in that part of the world but it was quite interesting because there were a couple of Man United fans in there and I couldn't help thinking god you just can't escape them they're just everywhere aren't they and as the game got on and we had a couple of chances they had a couple of chances I got this strong sense that everyone in this bar was very much rooting for Spurs and it was a nice <laughs> feeling that I'm not really used to and you know whenever we had a chance it was like oh, oh oh but there was a group of lads quite near me 
And one of them in particular, and they were all, you know, obviously clearly wanting Spurs to win, but one of them in particular was a little bit more invested. And I could see in his eyes, he was really, really getting excited every time we had the ball, every time we went to score, he'd get on his feet, ready to jump up and celebrate. And he was like really into it. And I was like, that's a Spurs fan. That's that's more <laughs> than just, you know, that's that's actually a Spurs fan. So I went over to him at half time and I was like, mate, random question here, but by any chance, are you a Spurs fan? He's like, no, I just fucking hate Man United. <laughs> Dave did not exaggerate this one bit. Dave, I hope you enjoy that if you're listening. Um, And also, of course, I ran into a Yorkshire-based Spurs fan, um, Angela, who, of course, had a letter in to us last week. He read out, aka Little Ange, as she uh, would like to be referred to. Um, Anyway, on with the Bournemouth game, then. We've talked about Man United. I'm, I'm trying to drag it back, but we did the job again. Elio, this one, it was not plain sailing. There's some lovely stuff we saw there, but they made it very difficult for us in that first half, didn't they? I think there were a few hairy moments. And if there's ever a test in how to work around a press, we found that today. Absolutely. I mean, I was so impressed with the way we broke their press time and time again. Our composure, flicking the balls around corners, back heels mm. to play our way out. Players receiving the ball on the half turn and letting it run in front of them and chasing it up. Like The way we played through what was a very, very determined press was great because, yeah, there were hairy moments. They really were pushing on us and it was very end-to-end at first. I think it's the best our defence has looked so far, though. I think it really mm. looked so composed and so solid. I never once felt under any threat today, even though Bournemouth did have some territorial spells up near our goal. I I don't think that I broke into a sweat watching any of that. I was really, really calm when our players were getting the ball out. So yeah, really, really good press from Bournemouth, but we dealt with it manfully. You're a braver man than me, because I must admit, I was shaking a few times in that first half. In the first couple of minutes, even, I was a little bit nervous. Socks, I know we've talked about this insistence on playing out from the back, which I think we love to see in, in theory, but in practice today... How confident are you with Spurs trying to play around a press on a scale of 1 to 10 at the moment? Um, I guess like a 6, but (laughs) I think that's just because we haven't seen much of it more so than anything else. And it hasn't gone wrong yet either. Not to devastating effect. I think I'm I'm just projecting my own fear and insecurity onto the players, even though they're yet to do anything wrong themselves. But the more it happens and the more familiar they get with it, the fewer mistakes we'll make. But that is, if you look at every top team in the world now, that is the high-risk game they play. And look, they do screw up. Like, I, I can imagine or remember rather Alisson who is the best goalkeeper in the world at doing it screwing up on a big stage against Real Madrid in the Champions League last season I think it was so it does happen and it will happen the other day I think didn't it yeah I mean look there will come a moment where it will cost us right it will be Van der Ven Romero Vicario one of them will make a mistake but the whole point of it is is that that high risk game will win you more points than it loses you and it's just about not overreacting when the mistake happens obviously us as fans will become more acclimatized to it and when we have a larger sort of sample size we'll become more comfortable when it happens but like I say at the moment I think because it's something that's even if you remember as far back as Pochettino we weren't particularly good at doing it because we always had a recent goal so even though we yeah. tried to do it, we only really had a couple of players that were actually, even even Walker and Rose weren't necessarily that good at it. There's a reason that Walker doesn't do the inverted role, for example, at Man City, because he's not that type of player and that's under Pep. Mm. So it's something that I think is quite novel to us, even if you want to go as far back as Poch. So as a fan base, it's something we're going to have to get used to, but they're doing a really bloody good job of it at the moment. I feel like Vicario is just the right amount of lunatic, isn't he? He's just that right balance <laughs> of madness. I think you need that in the goalkeeper. It's a bit of a cliche that the goalkeepers are mad, but I think you need to be... You just need to have that fearlessness, that kind of almost delusion of like ignoring and overlooking the fact that one mistake at any moment could cost your team. You've got to be that confident and that kind of, yeah, I'm going to just play this first time and play the ball out to this guy on the wing and hope that no one closes me down. Elio, that first half, I think it's probably fair to say, like we've given Bournemouth a lot of credit and rightly so. They were very good. This was not a pushover. This wasn't, you know, relegation fodder rolling over for us. We earned Mm. that, that advantage. And I think despite that, we deserve to be ahead a half time how do you rate that first half performance is that one of the best halves you've seen from spurs in some time in a lot of time well, yeah it's maybe um, not since the man united second half to be fair that was also very good <laughs> but in the grand scheme no, of this things. was this was better for me because okay. th- this was playing against a side that i think really could have exposed any mistake we made because of how aggressive they were whereas man united you got mm. the feeling in that second half that we almost outlasted them in terms of fitness as we alluded to in the last pods these guys were haranguing us and harassing us and the composure our players showed to just control the game it was i don't don't want to say echoes of the really great barcelona side of 10 15 years ago but that was the level of composure we had in the way we were playing and obviously 
we don't have Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, Puyol, PK, all that. They're best. That 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 was the greatest team of all time, arguably. But yeah. it definitely had this sort of unrelenting belief in itself as a system. The way they didn't panic, the way the centre backs would split while Vicario had the ball to draw a runner away, and then the goalkeeper mm. would play a very hard, aggressive pass into either Porro or Doggy sat in a defensive midfield position. I mean. It was so methodical and it was so deliberate. And so I really, really, really think mm. we've got our best half of football in in years, maybe. I, I don't know, maybe I'm hyperbolizing a lot here, but I'm excited <laughs> and we're recording yeah. right after the game instead yeah, of two days later. That's so that's what point. happens. We don't normally do that. We normally give ourselves a day to calm down and look at things a bit more objectively, but we're in the heat of the moment now. Anyway, I'm glad you actually mentioned that because I must admit, I wrote down in my notes, I wrote down Iniesta Xavi just as a kind of like, not obviously <laughs> to put anyone on that level, it's, it's ridiculous and we all laugh at ourselves, but there was shades of that kind of just such good technique in just taking that touch to just get the ball into space and just the quick tempo of moving the ball around between the midfielders that was really, really nice. I chose to then delete it because I'd already, while watching the game, in our WhatsApp chat, tried to compare young Papi Matasati, Yaya Torre. So I felt like I'd already reached my quota of lofty comparisons. Um, but then Socks, you turned around and said, no, no, he's more like Vieira. So I suppose we're all on the same page. <laughs> how good was he today? And how good has he been so far under Antwosikoglu this season? Yeah, he was very solid. I mean, he wasn't as good as mm. what he was last year, but he was by no, no means bad. It was another good all-round performance. I mean, obviously, the highlight was his through ball mm. uh, to Madison for this first goal, which was exceptional. Obviously, Lovely. he got taken off a little bit prematurely. I know we're going to discuss it in a bit, just in terms of the proactive substitutions, which I think was the right decision. But again, you're looking at a 20-year-old that looks mature beyond his years, and it's not even the fact that he's just 20. It's the fact that he's 20 and last season was basically a write-off for him. We completely wasted, I say we, Antonio Conte completely wasted a year of his development. Yeah. And you start to think, bloody hell, if only he'd had yeah. that other year under his belt, how good would he be? But we're going to see that more and more this season. And at the moment, there will be no set 11 necessarily, although without any European football, I suppose I take that back. I've taught myself out of it the second I said it. We will probably more likely than not have some kind of a set 11, I suppose, yeah. just because we, we won't have well, to that's rotate an unchanged as much. Lineup. Yeah. And I, I think at the moment you're looking at that midfield and Basuma will obviously not change. Madison will obviously not change. It's that third central mm. midfield spot you're looking at and going, okay, will it be Skip? Will it be Lasasa? Will it be Hoiberg? Will it be Saar? And at the moment it's early days, but Saar is the one you're looking at and going, if we all had to pick our best 11 now for the next game, I think we're all going with Saar as that left central midfield option. So credit yeah. to him. Absolutely. And it was a lovely through ball to Madison, who scored his first goal for Spurs, which was a tidy finish. And I think certainly by half time, I had him as my clear standout Spurs performer in that game. And, and, and I think he got awarded the man of the match by the co-commentator in the game. And I think he had some competition for that, including actually Semenyo on their team. He had a great game, so you pointed him out. But I think certainly at half time, Madison was running the show. Elio, I know you've always been a huge fan of James Madison. What did you make of him today? I just wish Dave was here after his naysaying about Madison the last two weeks. Um, He's not given him much credit, has he? Not as he much as he should have. I, mean, I, I, I thought Madison was phenomenal today. It's yeah. funny, he takes up the same sorts of positions and his off-the-ball work is very similar to the way Ericsson played for us. Mm. But the way he actually receives the ball and runs with it and the aggression with which he drives forward is more like Modric used to be. And also the deep positions yes. that he is taking to do that from. And it's it's almost not the player I was expecting, but better. I'm not saying he's at mm. either of those two players' levels. I mean, Modric is in the top three midfielders of the past 20 years. So I don't want to make a comparison like that. But it's the way he uses his body. It's the way he he keeps defenders guessing which way he's going to go. It's the fact that every single pass, even if it doesn't come off, is a proactive pass. And yeah. it, it's just absolutely brilliant to see. Um, no, th this is a proper number 10. Uh, I'd go as far as to say our best number 10 since Glenn Hoddle. <laughs> well, that's a good claim. I like it. <laughs> All right. May, 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 maybe I'm not going to go. Wasn't there some guy called Harry? Or was quite One season wonder. Time. Yeah, I heard, that's what I've heard as well. Yeah, we don't need him anyway. <laughs> no, but no, yeah, it's a joy theory. to watch. We're better um, without him. Yeah. He's just a class midfielder. I just He does what I've always said I need to see midfielders doing. He takes responsibility for what happens with the yeah. ball. When he hasn't got it, he fights for it. When he does have it, he makes things happen. There is absolutely no hiding from him. And I pay to watch a player like this every single week over some of the dross we've had in our midfield the last few years. I mean, God, yeah. we, we, we started a Champions League final with Sissoko and Harry Winks together. 
that's that's astonishing. It's, it's astonishing that we were in a Champions League final with yeah. them too, let alone that we started. Um, I always love pulling out statistics along the lines of Kevin De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes and their pass completion ratios being slightly less than you think because of the fact that they take those high-risk passes and they try and play that mm. killer through ball. And I think Madison, I haven't seen the statistics, but I think he probably falls into that bracket. But yeah, absolutely. I think two things I noticed today, you exactly hit the nail on the head. His off-the-ball work rate, just being everywhere on the pitch, being in, you know, not in, in negative way but he was actually helping get out the press in our own half and then running up the pitch to make things happen the other side and also just how comfortable he is turning with the ball how press resistant he is because we're used to seeing him in more advanced areas where he that's not really a part of the game but he's so good it was like it could have been Basuma a couple of times the way he just turned a man and then just broke the press and then released the ball it was absolutely lovely um, I mean you, so you, you dream of having one player like that in your <laughs> midfield never mind two I know and, and, each and one then of them with Saar being this sort of amazing young box to box midfield and Benton Core still to come back yeah. We've got a exactly. midfield. We've got a red right midfield. We had most of these players last season, but some managers yeah. like to coach, some managers don't. <laughs> exactly. So that's just a recount now. That's Vieira, that's Modric, that's Ericsson, that's Iniesta, that's Xavi, um, and oh, oh and uh, Yaya Toure. Okay, so that, yeah. that's the list of midfielders we've compared our current midfield to already. Well, in, in our WhatsApp group, in. I compared Saar to Steven Gerrard, oh, didn't Gerard, I? So. Yeah, oh, yeah, throw him in the mix as well. Yeah, so basically we've got the best midfielder ever <laughs> assembled by any Premier League team uh, by the sounds of it. Um, on that point, an interesting stat, and this is actually, this is, as of before this game. On the very short glimpse we've seen of Ange Postacoglu, he has taken Spurs from being 18th for passes into the final third last year to third. And I imagine that's probably, that might have even jumped up a notch since. So that says it all. So that was half time. So we can't deny that the start of the second half was probably even scarier than the start of the match. And they looked for a brief period of time, for maybe 15, 20 minutes, I think Bournemouth were on top. And I think they were definitely threatening to score. Ange Postecoglou made some big changes, didn't he? And I think this is something we've been very critical of former managers for, not really knowing how to make changes in game, not really being good at the subs. Obviously, it's easy to say when it comes off and we win, but I think the game changed. The game state changed when we made those subs. And it was big calls as well because we took off big players who had had good games, the exception being Richarlison, who we'll talk about, who I think at that point was starting to lose it a bit and you could tell he was getting frustrated. But Socks, how impressed were you with Postacoglu's game management halfway through that second half? Yeah, I thought it was excellent. I, I, I don't mind so much that, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but every away game in the Premier League is tough and pretty much everyone will be apart from maybe your sort of looters at home, although maybe I've tempted fate on that one already prematurely. But mm. I don't mind there being a point in a game where the, where the home team has a 10 or 15 minute spell. I think that's just a given in pretty much every single match. I do mind when we don't respond to it. And that was us responding yeah. to it and we've had to live with obviously Conte was I mean that, that guy's middle name is stubborn but even Pochettino I mean <laughs> we have to remember I remember Pochettino making substitutions at the 70th 75th 80th minute mark and this was yeah. someone who identified that the game was getting away from us pretty much not immediately but early enough to make changes that stemmed the bleeding if you want obviously we got a little bit fortunate not to concede during that period but at the same time that's the kind of thing that if it was another team you'd look at it and say well done to them for riding it out so uh, mm. is it good luck or we just defended well so absolutely yeah. i mean again nice to see well a nice to see him be so proactive and b a testament to some of the depth that we've got i think yeah. you look at someone like hoiberg for example and uh, there's a lot of people who are praising him now and i think what you're seeing with someone like him is this is the role that Hoiberg was always meant to play because he's not he's too limited and he's not good enough to play 90 minutes week in week out. The second he's at like Hoiberg is not good enough to be the starter for a team like Spurs who are top six aiming for top four. But him coming on and managing a game for 20, 25, 30 minutes, he's getting more praise doing the same things that he was always doing last season. But because yeah. we're seeing him in more well, limited quantities, yeah, we're winning, but we're, we're not seeing him across 90 minutes where just by virtue of having more time on the pitch, you're going to see more of his flaws come out. So you yeah. are seeing these sorts of plays. Obviously, Skip was another one that came on. Again, you don't really want to see... I mean, the drop-off between, say, Madison or a Skip as an eight or Basuma or to Skip as a six is absolutely massive. But again, mm -hmm. to come on and manage a game for half an hour, it's... You, you think of Man United teams have gone past and it's easy to think of the Ronaldos and the Cantonas and the Scholzers, but it's the John O'Shea's and the Wes Browns and the Park G Sung's and the yeah. Darren Fletcher's that He's do just carry out. that work. Yeah, exactly. And that's what that was. And like I say, it, no coincidence that we scored incredibly quickly after that. And at that point, it was just game management for the rest of it. So, And you made a really good point there, I thought. I was thinking about sort of the players we did bring on. We've brought on Hoiberg, Ben Davies, Lo Celso and Perisic 
four seasons highly capped international footballers yeah. who have played in World Cups, in Champions Leagues, in in European Championships, players that start for top nations in the world. The Celsius is a starter for Argentina, for God's sake, and they've just won the World Cup. So you yeah. you bring these guys off the bench to see out a game away to a good Premier League sides. That, mm. That's you, you never think you're going to say this about Spurs, but that is strength and depth. That is quality strength and depth. And yeah. yeah, you may not want to see any of these guys starting 20 games in a row, but when players do need a rest, you trust one of them to come in for two, three games if they need to. You'd, yeah. you'd really have faith in them. And this is before, once again, before Benton Coors even back. I mean, we feel like we're close to having a real winning formula at the moment. And hopefully we can use the transfer window to add that little bit of extra sparkle to get us over the line because... There's a real opportunity yeah. for us to do something special, I think. We're just missing a 25-goal-a-season striker. Yeah, that'd shame. be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, there's yeah. those going. Yeah. 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 Or do we have one just waiting to be released? More on that later. Um, I think it's important to say when you're talking about the players that we're bringing on, you know, these these wily old experienced heads and Hoiberg and Perisic and stuff. It wasn't the case that we just brought them on and just reverted to Conte football. We didn't sit back. It wasn't defensive. I think we did what I expect Andrew Postacoglu wanted us to do, not try and sit on it. We didn't start soaking up pressure. If anything, we looked more attacking because we had got more control of the game and we could do what we wanted to do. And I think that's testament to to those players as well. And it shows that it is a system. It isn't just a bunch of individuals. And I think the fact that we could do that with those coming on, even if you wouldn't necessarily want to see them as your regular starter, shows that if we do get an injury, if suddenly Basuma is out or suddenly if Saar is out or something, I'd be confident that we could still achieve something close to what we've been doing, even with a few players rotating in. It's coaching. Yeah. Elio touched upon it with the experience and, and just going off the back of that, Ange has deliberately said it in more than one press conference now or post-match interview where he said, we've got a really young team and he's name dropped the likes of Van der Ven and Saar and Adogi. Yeah. And Elio mentioned the experience. And again, it's that level of intangible. It's it's one of those things where it's incredibly difficult. Like we can all look at a player and say, he's good at passing, he's good at crossing, he's not good at tackling. But it's really difficult to look at a player and say he's inexperienced. I mean, you can say he's inexperienced just by virtue of the fact that he's young, but it's a, it's a really difficult thing to identify just in terms of a specific move or a specific skill set that they have. And that's the whole point of bringing somebody like Hoiberg on. The function of the midfield doesn't change, like you said, but it's the fact that he yeah. has played for Bayern Munich and played in the Champions League. And that is the difference that he will give you, even if he's a more limited player. It's the thing that I, I can't exactly point to it and say, that's the specific thing that he did that makes him more experienced. But it's yeah. the fact that the game changed the second that he came on gives me... Yeah. enough kind of confidence and belief for me to go okay i don't know what he did but he's more experienced it and felt that like kind a grown-up came on it felt like yeah. exactly. bringing yes. on a grown-up to yes. marshall the kids much, be like, All right, much come on. more eloquently oh. put than, than me <laughs> well it was <laughs> you it saved was, us it all 10 minutes of me some embarrassment <laughs> that, that's just all i all i could see i was like oh we've got a, we've got a smart head on here he's no, he's gonna yeah. slow things down he's gonna take his time on the floor when he needs to he's gonna do the dark arts and stuff and he's gonna settle Saar had begun to flit out a little bit at that point he he was beginning to lose his impact a little bit uh which is fine it's it's gonna happen he still had yet another very good yeah. game for someone who's had such he, little game time but yeah. even if he is the love child of Yaya Torre Vieira and Steven Gerrard Steven Gerrard well quite yeah. but what Hobie did not just Hobie all of them and even La Celso though he didn't have a particularly sparkling performance he came on and actually kept that fluidity going as well once again I just want to go back to the way the managers coached this team to work as a machine to work as mm. a unit to be in sync Ben Davies was playing as a left-sided centre-back all of last season he's coming on today and being a perfectly good inverted left-back or wing-back whatever you want yeah. to call it like it's, it's almost annoyingly cheese. simple it's almost annoyingly simple and, and, I, and I don't want to take anything away from Manchester Boscoglu because I don't doubt for a second that he's a very smart experienced coach who's doing a lot more than it looks like but it's like that whole thing about if you don't know something well enough to explain it to a five-year-old you don't know it well enough you, know, you have to be able to simplify things but really it means that you know what you're doing it's like he's playing football manager and he's just doing the obvious things that any of us would do and it's working it's like oh we we probably should go to a bat four enough of that four three three please or we need a creative midfielder all right James Madison, obvious. You know, uh, what else do we need? Another centre-back. Here we go. Let's bring in a really fast centre-back who's really good on the ball and let's play a high line and let's dominate teams. And it sounds so obvious. Like, why have we not done this all along? But obviously there's a reason for it and football is not that simple and there's more going on behind the scenes. But do you know what I mean? It's almost like, why has this taken so long to happen? 
Why has someone else not done this already? Because we've had completely the wrong profile of manager for yeah. the last four years. That's why this has happened, because we've been inconsistent in our recruitments. We've bought the right players for the wrong managers, and we've pissed away almost half a decade. And that yeah. is where the criticism of the board comes in, because they weren't learning from their mistakes. Eventually, after mistake number three out of three managers, they learned and they actually hired the right kind of manager. Yeah. Hopefully, it was by method and not by throwing a dart at a dartboard with a blindfold on. But who knows? <laughs> Let's just be grateful that this is what we're watching now, because God knows we should have been watching this for the last few years. And I think we should all just, well, you know what? We should just all sit back and appreciate what we've got, because who knows how long we've mm. got it for. Exactly, exactly. One player who I think we can at least assume was one Postacoglu wanted and it was signed since he's come in in our defence was Mickey van der Ven, who I think not for the first time was very, very good today. Elio, I know you were particularly impressed with him. You actually, you said he was man of the match earlier. I don't know if you stand by that still, but how good was Mickey van der Ven today? Oh, absolutely wonderful. I mean, that is not, uh, what is he, 21? That is not a 21-year-old yeah. centre-back. You're, you're, they're they're yeah. lying. The, the, guy, the guy's been playing football for at least 10 10 years at the top level watching performances yeah. like this. I mean, he hasn't really put a foot wrong apart from maybe a couple of bad passes early on against Man United. I mean, I, th- I think he's been absolutely superb. And today, the way he just manhandled Bournemouth's front line and made a brute like Solanke look like a child was was really lovely mm. to see. I, I, want, I want more. He's just, he's just everything we hoped he would be, isn't he? And you know, what? we knew he was quick. We've obviously seen his top speed, but I didn't realize for his size, and I know this is probably just working around cliches, but I, I expected him to be quick at the top end. I didn't realize how quick he was off the mark. His acceleration, that first step, no one gets away from him. No one's going to take a touch and just get past him. He's just so rapid off the mark. He's like and a I think sprinter. that's actually, if anything, more important than top speed. Really impressive stuff. Really impressive. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. So you've got about five or six players at least who we haven't even talked about yet that we can sit here and wax lyrical about. Who would you like to talk about next? Because there's a few of them. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm continuing to develop a soft spot for him. So I'm going to give a back-to-back shout for Vicario again, even though he didn't have a yeah. tremendous amount to do. It was another game where he was just completely solid, no issues with his footwork. There was one bit in the absolute pissing rain where he sort of went full Heredio Gomez <laughs> for a little bit and, and sort of started dribbling and made the pass off. And again, that was the heart attack moment you mentioned from earlier because we're not used to it. Yeah. But he executed it really well. So without necessarily having an outstanding performance just by virtue of the fact that he wasn't tested that much, again, I'm I'm, I'm just going to keep giving him his props until he makes a mistake and then I'm going to massively slag him off. But until then, and deny I'm going to keep giving him pro- yeah. <laughs> pretty much. But he claimed everything he needed to. He palmed away the sort of one effort that he had safely out wide, which has been a criticism of him even when he was at Empoli, that he palms a lot of his shots back out as opposed to wide. Again, without doing anything outstanding, it was a... 7 out of 10 performance, but he, yeah. we mentioned it, I think either last week or the week before, but he came under criticism just by virtue of the fact that he wasn't David Raya and he didn't cost 35, 40 million quid. And yeah. he's kind of quietly going about his business to the point where, again, the mistake will come because well, he's not going to have a perfect season because nobody does. But mm. with each passing game, I'm not really thinking about him. Whereas in the first couple of games, he was on my mind and I was going into the game thinking, is he shaky? Is he going to make a mistake? Today, I kind of forgot. I know I'm praising him, but you sort of forgot he was playing until he was called up yeah. upon, and that's kind of all you can ask for from your goalkeeper. Yeah, that's the thing. You say 7 out of 10. I don't think he had the capacity to go above 7 because there wasn't enough for him for to sure, do. In the Man tested, United yeah. game, I don't know if we want to say that was a 9 or a 10 out of 10, but he was outstanding in that and he had more to do. Yeah. So I think, you know, completely, you're going to point to that one more. Um, but that's a good point in itself. In fact, I think that we didn't concede anywhere near as many quality chances. Let's be honest, Man United could have been another result. We were very good and there's a lot of reasons to be excited, but there were some clear-cut chances. We could have quite easily had a different result and we would have been thinking differently. We didn't really allow them much, did we? There was obviously a period where they got into the game a bit, but I think it has to be mentioned. We've had two clean sheets in a row, and I think we were all talking about this before the season, weren't we? We were saying, all right, we're going to score a lot of goals, but we're going to concede a lot. Let's get ready for some 4-3s. Let's get ready for some 3-2s. Do you think, Elio, by any chance, we may, as a group, as a fan base, have slightly underestimated, if that's possible, and Postacoglu and how quickly our players are picking up his system? <sighs> yeah, but... To tell you the truth, I think 
And plus, the Congo himself probably didn't expect it to <laughs> click quite this quickly. And he's a very self-confident guy. But he himself said first year at Celtic was a little bit ropey. It took a while for things to get going. He, he was very mm-hmm. honest about that. So, yeah, we, maybe we've underestimated him. But this is what happens when you get the right coach for the right group of footballers. It, like I said, by design or by pot luck, it's actually panned out really, really well. I, I just think the guy has to take all the credit in the world for what he's instilled and how quickly he's done yeah. it because we've got no right to have transformed in the way we play football from how absolutely insipid we were to what we're seeing now. And yes, there's mm. going to be a blip at some point. We're definitely going to have a few bad results and yeah. We're going to play against teams who have better players than us in the same way we have better players than Bournemouth, who are then going to do to us what we did today. But that's okay, yeah. because if this is the start, then f*** me, we're in for a good ride. <laughs> but I, f- I feel like it is just that almost superstition that's making us feel that way, just the spursiness, just the trauma. I don't think there's anything logical making me think this is all going to fall apart. There isn't that sense of it's a house of cards and we've got lucky, we're riding our luck. It's not like that start to Nuno's reign where we were like, yeah, we're, we're winning and we're getting clean sheets, but something's not right. This isn't what should be happening. We're in some parallel universe where we've got really lucky. I feel like this could continue. It could continue. And let's, let's hope it does. How great is Ange Postacoglu, by the way? I mean, we talked about his tactics, but how great is he in press conferences? I can't get enough of listening to him talk to the media. I, I think the only thing more diametrically opposed than Conte football and Postacoglu football is Conte press conferences and Postacoglu press conferences. So I know you're a big fan of uh, watching the big man talk. Yeah, I mean, he literally just kind of going off the back because I, I didn't manage to watch too much of his stuff post-match because we started yeah. recording this, but he was asked by uh, Joe Cole and TNT about having his fullbacks join in a sort of inverted. Obviously, Gary Neville made the comment last week saying that it doesn't work or whatever, and his response was, no, I'm just copying Pep, mate. Yeah. So he's <laughs> and he's sort of humble. applause and love. He, I mean, yeah. his communication is absolutely one of his best skills, and mm. you can only imagine what he's like, sort of behind the scenes with his players. Because we're, obviously, we're reading all the stuff and we're having a laugh and, and what have you. But he must have a way with words with them in terms of being able to motivate them. Like by all accounts, he's actually quite mm. a private person, and he isn't one necessarily to have a joke and a laugh. But look, we've all seen the speeches. There is that one speech at this point that we've all seen where he's talking yeah. to the sort of Australian, Australian men's national team, yeah. and then he pats him on the back and says go out and grab your lunch or whatever. Go get your lunch. But yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to have somebody that you like. I mean, football is an inherently emotional thing and you want to be attached. I mean, we're attached to the human beings who are players and obviously they can demonstrate Mm. who they are and what they are by the way that they play. But at the same time, you think of just big personalities in the sport and you think of, I don't know, Paul Gascoigne or Cantona or people like that or Ibrahimovic. It's like, okay, I mean... And isn't any one of those specifically, but he's just human at the end of the day. And you want to like the person that manages your club. And the one advantage he has over other people that we've liked in the past, again, I I go back to Pochettino because it's the most obvious comparison, is that Mm. English being his first language and the way he has such a command over it, it feels like he has absolutely everybody just kind of on on tenterhooks, whether that's the media or us. We are absolutely hanging on his every word. And I'm I'm looking forward to press conferences, not as much as I am games, but (laughs) all the... the, I was there sort of last night after, I think it was either last night. Yeah, it was. And I was like, oh, the embargoed quotes come out at 10.30 p.m. Can't wait to see what he has to yeah, say. Yeah. And typically yeah, it's him that. coming out with a joke about Aussie Ardealers or something, uh, some sort of like pub quiz or something that he did. And I'm just like, all right, that was worth sort of me waiting for or whatever. So yeah, absolutely love the guy. Yeah, that was brilliant. It was his trivia question he used to throw out. He used to ask people in Australia who the first Aussie to win the FA Cup was, expecting them to answer with Craig Johnston, who was a Liverpool player who won it in 1986. And then he'd be like, nope, Aussie Ardealers, which is great, which apparently <laughs> joke that Bobby Charlton told him uh, just to <laughs> just to make that story a little bit madder. Um, I loved Elio. I don't know if you saw the clip where he was talking about how all his mates who have followed him through his career have had come to the Man United game and they're in the crowd and it was just such a humanizing moment. He was just talking like one of us. He was just like a fan and they and he was saying, oh, I had to drop out of the FPL league because I can't be involved now and all my mates are pushing me for clues and they want info and I'm not giving anything away. And then someone's like, yeah, you're a real Premier League manager. And he's, he goes, yeah, it's not a fantasy anymore, mate. And I was like, that's such a nice moment. I love it. Like it just, he's so so human and I think that's why the, the crowd is getting behind him. that and the football obviously but it's a vicious circle and it can only be good things so yeah absolutely well, love I Boston said all Club along League. that we needed to have a humble manager who was delighted to be here I <laughs> yeah. said that yeah and he is continuously exactly we yeah. needed to have someone who, for whom exactly we needed to have someone for whom this was going to be the opportunity of his lifetime and he was going to throw the kitchen sink at making it 
work and that's exactly what he's doing you, you can tell this guy's meticulous and he's leaving no stone unturned you can just tell that by mm. the passages of play in game that 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 is hours on the training pitch that is studying data that is understanding his players in loads of detail to know what they're capable of and what they're not capable of so so we really really do need to embrace this and next time we are in a situation and hopefully not for quite a good few years but next time we're in a situation where we need a manager again let's Mm. not get so starry-eyed about the trophy cabinets that the Contes and Mourinho's bring with them because this is proving time and time again that the man for Spurs is the one who wants to be here exactly and it certainly looks like a lot of the players want to be here as well which is nice to see as well so let's hope that's all rubbing off on them but there's definitely a good vibe around the dressing room isn't there at the moment by the absolutely things so one player that we talked about, I think, before a few times who I think we've all been very impressed with, particularly with his age, is Destiny Udogi. And he went off with an injury, but it was it was a precaution. I think Charlie Eccleshare has come out since and said that Ange said he's fine and there's nothing to worry about. So expect to see him back soon. Again, I'm falling into the trap of just going through every player, but it's hard not to when it's this much fun to watch the team. And, and, and again, he got an assist today. Very good at both ends of the pitch. Socks, I know you've been impressed with Udogi as well. Taking to the Premier League like a duck to water. What do you think of him today? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, a, the testament is that I absolutely shit myself the second he went down because I thought, oh no, yeah. the drop-off between sort of him to Ben Davis with all due respect to Davis is... is <laughs> a goal scorer last he, week, I think. No, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he, he looks like the absolute complete fullback and the, yeah. uh, there's part of you that's like, all right, how much am I overreacting to just three games because it's a small sample size, but at the same time, sometimes with players you can just tell early on and just because I haven't watched him for the last couple of seasons, because I don't watch, you know, Udinese play week in, week out, doesn't mean that's not exactly what mm. he's been doing. But either way, he showed enough to to more than understand why we've paid. I think it was only like 20 million euros for him, 15 million quid, Ridiculous. give or take. I mean, he's strong. He's really, really fast. He's great technically. There'll come a point where he gets his goal as well, and he's going to absolutely thunderbast at that one. Absolutely, no doubt in my <laughs> mind. He is yeah. he is the complete modern fullback. It, it's yeah. I know he's only just signed, but just tying yeah. down to a new contract already because it, it's yeah. it, it, there isn't a team now that's not going to be looking at him going like if you think of that position in world football, there is yeah. actually a dearth of like. How many, I know this sounds ridiculous, but how many better left-backs in the Premier League can you think of? It's the fact that he can go in inside and outside as well so well. No, there isn't. Yeah, I mean, there's not a clear one anyway. No, no, I mean, Ben Chilwell, Ben Chilwell attacking. Chilwell's there, Robertson's had a drop-off. City don't Luke really have Shaw. one. They just have centre backs that play there. There isn't an yeah. outstanding. I also have Zinchenko and Tierney, who isn't really a good fit. Like so, almost by kind of default, he's already establishing himself as one of the top left backs in the league. And it wouldn't surprise me if, in a few months' time, we're talking about him with a hell of a lot more confidence if he's maintained this performance. And again, we are going. Well, I am going very premature here, but this is sort of PFA player, a sort of team Ooh, of the year, team, team, not player, oh, team okay. of the year potential. Young player. Um, if if uh, player, young player, or just being in that left back slot, like I say, mm. part of it because of him being so good and part of it almost being by default. But I can't think of a single foot that he has put wrong. And uh, yeah, one more can I say? Well, he has pride of place in my FPL team, I have to say, and I'm very happy I put him in today. He got an assist. This is first on his route to, what did I predict? 10 goal returns in all competitions this season. Perhaps slightly ambitious, but he's off to a start there. So that's lovely to see. Somebody who is also in my FPL team, who I am slightly less enthusiastic about, is Richarlison, who, again, failed to score. He... Mm. I think the highlights will show a very different picture of a man who is very low in confidence. He had a decent chance that he should have done better with. He fell over the ball. There were a few disappointing moments. But Elio, I want to get your thoughts on Richarlison looking at the totality of his performance. Because do you think that was a poor performance from him? Are you concerned? So in the first half, and I was was scrolling on Twitter at halftime, seeing a lot of the vitriol and a lot of the The slagging off he was getting... I didn't think he was bad at all. I thought he had a good first half. No, I thought I he was haranguing their defenders really, really well. His hold-up play was good. His linking up was really good. The chance he had, he couldn't have hit that shot first time. It would have gone straight into, I think, Aaron's it was that was chasing back. He did the absolute right thing by cutting onto his other foot. And if it hadn't ricocheted off of the defender's arm, unfortunately, he would have had a clean sight of goal with his left foot. And he may not have scored mm. it, but it, we'd have been applauding 
having a great composed striker movement. So, and it's these small margins that can really change things. Because then in the second half, when he came out, you saw a player who tripped over the ball, kicked out at a player and got stupid yeah. yellow cards. Who he was very who's, frustrated. He was in his own head, I think he said in the WhatsApp group. And it's a shame to see because... He's doing most of the right things. He, I mean, first off, I thought he did everything right but score. And yeah, I, I, I yeah. don't want to be overly defensive just because he plays for us. And yeah, you do begin to worry if this keeps going on, is it going to become irredeemable? Because strikers, mm. more than any other position, well, other than goalkeepers, we were talking about Vicario last week, strikers is, are the other position where once this kind of a rut starts... If you don't reverse it, it can be fatal for their career at a club. We've seen it with so many yeah. Spurs. So you do begin to worry after a while. But I don't think we're there yet. I think he's probably got the manager's backing at the moment. I still expect him to see him starting in a week's time as well. But right mm-hmm. now, he, he just needs one to go off his ass, get a bit of confidence. And, yeah. and then you don't know what happens after that. I just want to put my arm around him and be like, look, you're playing really well. I think he is an asset. I think the net contribution he's providing is we are scoring more goals and we're a better team, even if he's not the one putting the finishing touches on them. And I I can't help feeling that he probably doesn't feel that way. And, you know, it's understandable because strikers, everyone knows it's all about the currency of football. It's all about goals. It's all about confidence. And you can see how annoyed he was when he fell over the ball and kicked out and then got subbed off. And we saw how upset he was when he was subbed off last week. And, I just hope, and if there's anyone I trust to actually be sending this message to him, it is Andrew Postecoglou. I'm sure he's hmm. sending the right things to him, and I'm sure he's he's, he's filling his head with the right the right thoughts. But socks, quite simply, do you continue to start Richardson? Maybe it's a bit easier because we've got a cup game coming up, and maybe it's an easy chance for him to say, "Look, go and show what you can do." And you know, maybe there's slightly less pressure on him. But at what point do you say put Son up top and put Solomon on, or put Perisic on? At what point do you not give up but change it up? It depends because I, I suppose the second you do that is that what justification would you then have to put Richarlison yeah. back in? I suppose like you need yeah. to continue to play Son's him, him to play either. his way into form exactly. And I think Son is better as a. I, I think the question is actually more so: at what point does the left winger displace Son, and then does that move Son into yeah. the middle at Richarlison's expense? Because I still I still think that's uh, at least uh, Richarlison is the right profile for the nine. Again, we mention it kind of every single week. So it's at what point does Solomon yeah. get a start? Or at what point did Perisic force his way into the team? I agree with what Elio said on Richarlison. The problem I have with him is that his first half, he was about as good as we've seen him in a long, long time. His touches were and his hold-up play and his just ability on the ball was completely chalk and cheese from last week. So it's as if he had the rock at Bazaar. So I'm like, you're linking up play everywhere. You're occupying the centre-backs. They highlighted it at half-time. You're occupying the Mm. centre-backs that allows Saar to play the ball through for Madison because they're paying attention to you as opposed to Madison. So you're doing your job off the ball, even if it's something that might not be obviously picked up on, a bit like Firmino at Liverpool, for example, that type of a centre-forward. I don't mind so much that he missed the chances, but what I do mind is that how quickly it got into his head. One Mm. or two bad things, and he was completely gone. And it's it, it, it's the guy only has two modes. He's either 10 or zero and there's no in between. Yeah. And that's my issue with him is that we're talking about him getting a bit of confidence. But my concern is that, well, how quickly is he going to lose that confidence? Because based yeah. on what he's showing so far, he'll score and then he'll go again without scoring. And then we might be back down to... Yeah. To what he needs is an again, international so. break. What he needs is to go mm. away with Brazil, <laughs> yeah, start he's the top, king. bag he's a yeah, couple of goals against Ecuador or whatever, yeah. and come back with a spring in his step. The thing is, I understand why his confidence is so fragile right now because he has become a discussion point, which is the worst thing that can happen to yeah. any football player. Every yeah. press conference, Postacoglu is going to be asked about Richarlison until... Yeah. He breaks the duck. We've seen yeah. it before. Some players can rise from it, some don't. Soldado never did. His career with us went one way from the moment he put our kit on. Mm. Gareth Bale went the other way. 24 games without a win, then becomes our yeah. best player of the Premier League era, arguably. It can go one way or the other. The thing that gives me faith that once it happens for a Charleston it'll continue to happen is that he has proven himself in this league so we know it's not about being a bad fit we know it's, yeah, not, it's not about so him being it. wrong for the league it, we also know it's not mm. about him being wrong for us and our style because we're playing very good football and he's a very key component in our team as the focal mm. point of the attack so we know it's not about fit or anything like that it's just pure confidence right now in my opinion and I do think once that duck gets broken it's going to go on an upward trajectory and he's never going to be Harry Kane hell he may at best be 
a Pavlyuchenko. But you know what? I, he's definitely got much more in him than we're seeing at the moment. And I, I don't think we're desperate yet. And Postcoglu said it perfectly. He said, it's been two games. All right, three now, not 20. If it's 20, then we have to have yeah. a conversation. And he's right. Yeah. So... And we're right winning, now, and we're playing well, well and he's exactly. Playing well. We're winning, we're playing well, and so right now is the time that we can afford to give Richarlison the minutes to try and play himself back into form. Yeah, the only couple of points I'd add is, and this is uh, I really miss on Spurs community. So shout out to Dill Spur on the off chance that he's listening. He just says, <laughs> I think it's really important that we get behind Richarlison and show him some love. Let's not go the Sanchez and Royale route so I think and, and yeah. I think we will yeah. because it, the atmosphere around the whole club does feel a bit different it doesn't strike me uh, I mean I don't know but I don't know if we're going to start booing players off this season because last season was just so mm. toxic in absolutely every aspect we took our vengeance out or, or our frustration out on the players so that was an yeah. important point the second the only other one I'd make is that I know we've been linked to the likes of Brennan Johnson and whilst personally I'm not convinced based off the little I've seen of him mm. I would not mind if we went for and I do think we desperately need that right winger predominantly, but can also play as a forward because I, I'm with Elio on that. I have full confidence in Richarlison, but maybe we're wrong. And on, on the chance that yeah. we are wrong, then the in a few months time, if we're like, okay, it has hit game 20 and maybe Richarlison has bagged a couple by that point, but performances <laughs> haven't improved so much or his mood is still what it is, then it's going to turn into a long-term problem. So I do hope that we dip into the market for, again, I do think we need a winger just as a priority, but if you can get essentially what you want is is a Richarlison S player on the other side in the sense that Richarlison has played out left and up front. We need somebody that can play out right and up front. So yeah, I, I do yeah. I know Postacoglu has mentioned about not necessarily signing an out and out replacement for Kane, and I agree with that. But I think mm. another versatile forward that at the very least, if we're wrong about Richarlison and and he is going the road with Soldado, there's a bit of a safety net there because at the moment the safety net is Hoomin Son who hasn't mm. been finding the back of the net yeah. now since two seasons ago. And all of a sudden it's like, well, hold on a minute, this isn't a blip with Son anymore. Maybe I know he was having the hernia problem last year, but with each passing game, maybe it's less to do with the hernia problem and more to do with his age. So yeah. if the safety net is an off-colour son, then it is something that could become a problem quite quickly. For what's worth, I actually thought Son did all right today. I was actually... I, I, saw thought, some, was I thought some Very of his sharp. runs down the left were good. We were actually seeing Son dribble again and actually beat people mm. relatively easily today, which we've not seen for a while. And then when he went down the middle, I thought he linked pretty well. He did quite well with Kulisewski a few times and he was unlucky that a chance didn't fall to him. So I'm seeing positive signs from him, though yeah. I do agree that a below pass on definitely shouldn't be the safe. Now, I do think we will get someone. I mean, there's no smoke without fire and we, we, I, I definitely think we'll be exploring something. Mm. Brennan Johnson seems to be a target at the moment. I don't know much about him. I can't say I was an avid watcher of Nottingham Forest last season. Um, mm. I know he's very, very fast, but is that yeah. is that enough? So, so, so let's see. Yeah. But... He is quite highly rated, so you never know. And once again, it is a Premier League nurtured footballer. Yeah, uh, you mentioned him a second ago, yeah, and it's probably not right to move on without at least giving him a bit of credit and a bit of a mention. Kudusevsky, we've not talked much about him, really, but I, I don't think he really put a foot wrong today. And of course, he put one foot very right, if that's even English. Uh, he scored the goal, second goal, and I, I made the comparison, I don't know if you necessarily agree with this, I made the comparison to Grealish in that He's a very effective player and he adds a lot to our attack, but he's not really that cutting edge kind of, I know I'm contradicting myself having talked about him just scored, but that seemed to be a bit of an anomaly in the way he's been for us for a while. I think he's progressing the ball well and he's recycling possession out on the wing, but he's playing more like a traditional winger than he perhaps was before. Are you happy with what you're seeing from Kudusevsky or are you seeing that jump from his first season to now and thinking that there's more to come from him? I think there's more to come, but I'm also happy with what I'm seeing. I think he's playing well. I yeah. think he's his. The, the funny thing is that the one thing that we used to think we could bank on with him was his delivery, and that's the thing that's been yeah. a little bit off colour so far this season. But I actually think he's yeah. adapting to the role well. I think he's driving us forward a lot of the time when he does have the ball. I think when we do break a press, he's one of our best players at actually charging forward and getting us up pitch. And I also think off the ball, he is by far the best presser we have in the team, hands down. And the yards he puts in mm. are phenomenal so yeah. so now I'm really happy with him and I think if we did sign that right winger then it would very likely be as competition for him but also I think we'd find other roles for him on the pitch because he's really really intelligent and really really integral to the way we're playing in my opinion 
Right, we've done what we've always done and we've dragged the discussion of the game way longer than we probably should have done and we're running out of time a little bit but let, let's try and move things along as much as we'd love to see and talk about another excellent performance. Uh, a couple of games coming up before the next time we record. So of course we've got Fulham. Uh, it is Fulham away, isn't it, in the Cup coming up and then another away game at Burnley who are an interesting proposition under Vincent Company. Socks, what do you want to see in those two games? Obviously a couple of wins will be nice and a couple of goals but what, what do you want to see in terms of the lineup? Do you want to see any rotation? Is this a chance to give some other players run out and how do you see them going sorry to yeah, throw them in together as one but you know yeah of course i've said himself in the pre-match press conference for bournemouth that we're going to use the whole squad over the next seven days so yeah. the rotation i suppose will be well it is evident i would suspect we will see more of perisic and solomon on tuesday i think lacelso will come in i think hoiber will come in i don't know how much more he'll rotate because i do think we need to lay a marker down and just make a bit of a statement to not anybody else but amongst the club like we're going on a cup run and put yes. them away. Uh, I, I, they will rotate as well, but we said it before, a bit of a cliche, but away against any Premier League level opposition, it's not going to be easy. So even though we've been praising our depth, I don't want to go into that game and see like eight changes or anything like that. Like I want Vicario to play, mm. sorry to Forster. I, I don't want Romero to be dropped. I don't want, I, I mean, we're going to have one game a week for pretty much for the entire season and we're three yeah. games into the season. It's not as if too many of them are going to be leggy. I think you can, obviously, Madison coming off the back of a sort of small injury. Okay, fine. You know, you can rest him if you want, but keep Richarlison. Let's hope he gets his goal. Keep Basuma if you want. So I, I don't want there to be too much rotation. Yeah. And hopefully we win, obviously. Against Burnley, I suspect we'll just revert back to injuries notwithstanding this lineup. Um, yeah. unless there are any changes he wants for tactical purposes and maybe he wants I don't know a more defensive option at right back and Emerson comes in or something I think there are players now look Vicario Romero Van der Ven Madison Basuma most of the team now picks itself so unless we signed anybody world class mm. between now and the Burnley game I don't think there are going to be too many changes like this looks like it's settling in in terms of seven out of the 11 players at least yeah. the basis of this team now is, is pretty solidified and I think as much as it looks like we are gelling really well I think it is important to remember that it's still a new team and they, they are still learning how to play together and I think we shouldn't miss out on opportunities to give them more more chances to do that that being said remember how well our, our second string did uh, giving Barcelona a run for their money a few weeks back you know we were saying exactly that weren't we about that's exactly the kind of team we'll send out on the in a cup game as a B team and end up losing 1-0 and I think it actually looks like we could do some damage with any combination of our players so you know hopefully there's um, some some encouragement to be taken there I've just been made to look like a massive idiot because I've just read this quote from Postacoglu because here's me going oh the player oh, should yeah. be suicide and he's literally <laughs> just said the way we play takes a lot out of us it's a short turnaround and also another game the following week will make some changes, but because we want to win the game, that's why we're making changes. Not because I want to give guys a game, but hopefully by making them, we maintain the intensity and tempo and quality of our game. So here's me saying, ah, now the player should be fine. It's only three games in. And within a sentence, I'm just like, now nah, they're all knackered, mate. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, this is, this is good, why we prepare. Good thing he's so, coaching the bloody yeah. team and not me, eh? Keep up to date. Keep, keep your nose on social media. And um, on that note, I think the, the most notable thing to say about Fulham at the moment is that they're 57 minutes into their game at the Emirates and they're beating Arsenal 1-0 as we speak, which is exciting. So let's hope they can hang on to that. Man United were 2-0 down against Forest, but they've now pulled it back to 2-2, unfortunately. But still, uh, it looks like results elsewhere aren't too bad for us. Elio, Burnley, under Vincent Company, I think a lot of people are looking at them thinking we're going to see some kind of pep light. He's obviously very much inspired by his own admission, by his old manager. Um, what do you expect from that game? We've seen them against Man City, so maybe not the fairest way to judge them. But how do you think that game will go? I hate playing Burnley. I was so happy when they got relegated. <laughs> it was, it was Burnley, every Christmas it? come at once. I don't care. It's a small northern side <laughs> that begins with B. I, I mean, I shouldn't say Burnley are small. They've won <laughs> FA Cups and leagues in their history. So it's just uh, yeah. northern side beginning with B. Burnley, Bolton, Blackburn, <laughs> Barnsley, Bradford. These are the teams that have always f***ed us in the Premier League. And <laughs> given us the last time we result. played Barnsley, of all the teams, you could have... Ginola's goal well, I remember in the it's cup, a Ginola goal, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Cup. yeah. yeah <laughs> but, they dragged them but in the league the, the year before, we'll play them I, every day of the week. In the year, league the year before, we were fighting them for relegation. So <laughs> I, 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 I remember, <laughs> I remember. Uh, but yeah. um, no, I, I'm suddenly I, taken back to the Inbetweeners movie where the Burnley fans are chanting on the bus, and then Will and the voiceover is like, when people ask me if I like football, I say yeah, but not Burnley. Burnley can f*** off. <laughs> <laughs> well, quite. I mean, they are a different Burnley, you are right. Vincent Company's got them playing uh, an attractive style of football. They're a team that's going to look to put us under pressure and 
hopefully not successfully, um, you have to back us to beat the newly promoted mm. side. I know they gave a good account of themselves against City. Obviously, that was only ever going to go one way, but we, we should win that game. I, I'd, I'd be really, really aghast to see us lose momentum in that fixture, but it's a banana skin, as they say. So I don't want to be too cocky about it. Like I, I've said a million times, it's not played on paper. So let's wait and yeah. see. But yeah, I'm confident that we'll have another happy podcast next week. Fingers crossed. Well, to take a slight tangent for a moment, I'd just like to check in with our FPL league, our mini league of the Plus Dave Super League. Uh, and a quick shout out to Edwin Mills, whose team Hugo's Lorries has uh, shot into the top of our league with a score of 150. 55, which is quite outstanding. Put into context, I'm on a mere 127 and I thought I was doing quite well. Uh, Socks, how's your FPL season going? We touched on it a little bit earlier. Are you reasonably happy? I think I'm only slightly behind you. I had a dogie in this week and Chilwell, who both done well, yeah, but yeah. I also had Rashad Asun, who's sitting on zero points at the moment. So, uh, yeah, mixed <laughs> yeah, bag, but I was a slow starter I last year. I need somebody to not play of... from my FPL side because I dropped a dogie for the bench this week and he goes and gets an assist. Oh, no. Another bonus points. horrifying bench decision, Elio. What are you doing yourself? Are you at least paying attention remotely, though? Because I, I feel like we're about a week away from you giving up. No, no, I am at the moment. I am at the moment. I think I'm close to you as well, I think. I, I no, you're doing fine. Fun. You're doing fine. I mean, I did quite well last year, so that's just guaranteed that I'm going to crash and burn this year. I've used up all of my luck. We can um, but hope. Well, that's, that's FPL. That's FPL. Moving on to something, I dare say, slightly more important. So um, you might have seen on our Twitter that the Football Content Awards are now open for nominations. And uh, I must admit, this is something I wasn't particularly aware of until it started to fill my Twitter timeline recently. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to throw our hat into the ring. I want to be a part of this. I want the glory. I want to go up there in our tuxes on awards night and give a, a gracious acceptance speech when we are voted the best Premier League team podcast in the world, I guess. Uh, and, and what we'd like you listeners to do, if, if it's not too much trouble, we'd really appreciate if you could please vote for us. And there are a couple of ways you can do that. And I know both of you have already done this. So thank you. Um, I've already voted as well. So that's at least three. You can simply tweet the words, and this is on our pinned tweet. If you want to have a look, tweet and uh, just copy and paste. X, whatever. I'm, I'm not changing that. Uh, you can tweet the words. I am voting in at the underscore FCAs for at Plus Day Podcast in best podcast in Premier League. I would repeat that, but just go on our Twitter and grab it. Or you can go to footballcontentawards.com forward slash voting. And there are a whole load of categories on there that you can vote for, for best content creator in various categories, best FPL content creator, best young content creator. Quick shout out to Harry Scarf there, who got my vote. Uh, I hope you're listening, Harry, and uh, potentially a future guest on the show as well there. So um, a little sneak preview. But yeah, please do vote for us if you like it. And of course, please rate and review us when you get a chance on iTunes, on Spotify. Can't stress enough how happy it makes all of us when we see even the slightest little nice word said about us. We are all very, we all have very fragile egos like Richarlison and we need a little confidence boost every once in a while to keep going. On that note, a huge thank you to everyone because, and, and I have mixed feelings about this, but last week's episode was our third highest ever listened to episode behind the one we did with John McKenzie recently, which for obvious reasons had a very big response. And our first ever episode, which has uh, extremely high numbers, I think because a lot of people just click on it, realize we're talking about Nuno and think, wow, this is not the right episode and then go and find where we're up to. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but thank you to everyone who listened to that. We've been going nearly two years now and, and to have the numbers that we're seeing, we are going from strength to strength. We're potentially on course for a record month right after another record month. I'm not to blow our own trumpets, but what I'm trying to say is thank you for everyone who's listening and welcome to a huge contingent of you who must be new listeners and i hope you're enjoying the show so far and if you are please let us know and you can tweet us or x us or whatever the hell the kids are calling it nowadays at plus dave podcast i'm at plus dave dags elio is at elio underscore p underscore thfc and socks is too traumatized by the mere concept of engaging with the scum <laughs> on twitter to have made a real account but i think might... you're gonna say other human beings yeah no, no that, that's yeah that, that as well actually yeah but particularly the pond scum you can find in certain dark corners of the internet but in all seriousness please get in touch and let us know send us an email anything you want us to discuss any questions you have any comments you have we will probably read out because we don't get that many um, so if you want your moment in the limelight get in touch and we'll give it to you all right guys i don't know if there's anything else in particular that was worth mentioning i think we've covered all the main points and of course we've got a couple of exciting games to talk about next week but socks anything to add the only two small shout-outs are under-21s, one 3-0 away at Derby. Yes, there are 2-0, sorry, away at Derby. They're now 3-for-3 three three at the start of the season, looking really good. Lancashire scoring and brace as well. Lancashire scored twice, yeah. If you can find the highlights, Jamie Donnelly with Harry Kane-esque 
passes. He looked mm, really, lovely. really impressive just with a left foot. And then I think today as well, as we were playing Bournemouth, our under-18s beat Arsenal 4-2. So a good oh, weekend really? at Spurs for at pretty much every level. Fantastic. Well, that's an omen for good things to come, isn't it? Elio, any closing thoughts? Anything that we might have missed? Not really. I think I... I don't really know what else to say. I just feel good about Spurs, wait, like, wait. like Sox Could, said last did, week. Did you just hear that, Sox? Elio saying he's got nothing left to say. What's happened? Has he finally <laughs> run out? I don't think I'd ever hit the day or see the day. Amazing, amazing. Um, I, I'm just happy with what I'm seeing, as we all are, and long may it continue. Yeah. I got a nice kick out of TalkSport asked their followers who has the best assist of all time, which was then shared by Yamba Tongan tagging Sonny saying, if you know, you know, which was of course <laughs> his like three yard layoff at the edge of his own box before Son ran the whole pitch and scored. We'd like to see a little bit more of that from you, Son, actually, if it's not too much to ask. It's been a while since your last wonder goal. But no, absolutely uh, lovely to see. Long may it continue. We do appear to have our Tottenham back for the time being. For how long remains to be seen, but we will be back next week to talk about two games hopefully two more wins and we'll be bringing you up speed with all the drama all the action all the excitement hopefully we are still as insanely optimistic as we appear to be right now so i hope all of you can join us then and i hope dave will be with us as well and fingers crossed we can keep this hype train going until then stay classy spurs fans and we will see you next week <laughs> <laughs>